from the studios of Adventist World Radio in Pune. Hello and a very warm welcome to our international English service. In our program today, we bring inspiring music and interesting nature study with more music coming in. We shall end our program with a message from God's word. This is your host Sharad and I am Maureen and you are listening to Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Let's begin our program with a song. Yesterday and to 
You are listening to Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope from Pune, India. And now, here's a nature study. A tentacled neurology laboratory. Dear listener, today we're going to learn about a tentacled neurology laboratory. In early June, as the sun begins to warm the coastal waters around Cape Cod, Massachusetts, a group of Atlantic squid arrive out on the edge of the continental shelf. These squid are about a foot to a foot and a half long. They swim in a darting fashion. There are literally tons of these creatures. At the same time, about 50 scientists also arrive at Cape Cod to continue their research on the squid. Through scientific investigation, scientists have discovered that the squid has a central nervous system similar to that of higher orders of animals and of humans. These squid have nerve fibers that are larger than any other creature, even man, and therefore they are easy to dissect and study. The researchers who study the nerve cells of the squid are trying to find answers to many human nerve problems. Many people are afflicted with one of two diseases of the central nervous system, Alzheimer's disease and Lou Gehrig's disease. Alzheimer's disease involves a progressive senility in which the victim forgets, gets disoriented and eventually loses the mind. Lou Gehrig's disease involves the deterioration of the motor nerve cells that serve the body's major muscles. The victims lose control of their muscles. Squid make an excellent resource for researchers who are looking for cures to these two diseases. The researchers are able to inject drugs and do many other things with the large nerve fibers of the squid. By the time this project is finished, scientists will have studied accents from about 15,000 squid under powerful electron microscopes in the laboratories at the Woods Hole Marine Biological Laboratory. I hope that these scientists find a cure or treatment soon as people die from these diseases. God wants us to have good sharp, keen minds. Thank God this morning that you have a good, keen mind. Thank you for the nature study. We are sure our listeners enjoyed it. To learn more on nature, keep listening to Adventist World Radio. We will be studying different objects of nature because there is a simplicity and purity in these lessons direct from nature that makes them of the highest value. The children and youth, all classes of students, need the lessons to be derived from this source. In itself, the beauty of nature leads the soul away from sin and worldly attractions and toward purity, peace and God. Dear friend, death, struggle, pain and violence were not part of God's original creation. Let's discover what was the world like when God created it. You may contact us with your questions or prayer requests by calling 000-800-040-1704. Again, the number to call is 
Before you hear God's word, here's another song. My soul in sad exile was out on life's sea, so burdened with sin distress Then I heard a sweet voice saying make me your choice Then I entered the haven of to hear God's word. Dear listener, our thought for today is taken from the book of Matthew chapter 11 verse 11. 
Here it says, I assure you that John the Baptist is greater than any man who has ever lived, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Dear listener, basing on this text, we have the thought for today. Well, let me begin with former United States President Bill Clinton said he asked Nelson Mandela how he could give the very people who had incarcerated him for 27 years. Mandela replied, if I had not forgiven them, I could still be their prisoner. Dear listener, that sealed it. Mandela was, and I'm sure he is the hero on your list today. The lives of great souls have always inspired people. They motivate us, give us push, make us reach for the stars. They point to the heights that we aspire, provide examples that we strive to equal or surpass, if we dare. Personally, in a way of speaking, they give me something extra to live for. John the Baptist was labeled great by no less than Jesus himself. Jesus' words concerning John are so strong that the life of the uh, Baptist is worthy of note. Among those born of women, there was not reason one greater than John the Baptist. Interestingly, from what the Bible tells of his life, if John lived today, it is likely he would be called to a United Nations resolutions meeting or that he would lived uh, next door to the president of the country or any country for that matter. Therefore, Jesus' words not only commend John but practically demolish the definition of greatness that the modern mind almost unconsciously adopts. The son of a priest, John was a man on a mission from birth. None of his life's changes could turn him from the path upon which providence had set him. His focus was unwavering. He stayed out of town, making double sure sin always looked horrible to him. He dressed and lived simple, a foreigner to the excesses of pride. Some of the statements he made allow us glimpses of his strength and character. Let us look at some of his important sentences that he used. Matthew 15 verse 12 Who warned you to flee. The Pharisees yielded power. Every Jew was caught from childhood to respect them. Seeing through their pretended holiness required the illumination of the Holy Spirit. To stand up against them was to risk one's credibility and influence among the Jewish people. Even Jesus' disciples wanted him to ensure he was in their good books. But John stood up against them. Power attended John's ministry and many Jews repented. For a while he was more influential than the ruler of the land and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Witnessing all this decided to pay John a visit. Doubtless they had their reasons, but for many of them repentance was not among them. 
they more likely wanted to somehow cash in on the Baptist's enormous influence by letting him baptize them. They probably thought their status would impress them. But John wasn't impressed. He wasn't deceived or afraid either. He evinced no desire to please them or to gain the respect of the people by baptizing such luminaries. He spoke God's word regardless of the consequences. Who warned you, he said, to flee from the wrath to come. Dear listener, here's the second big sentence that he used. He must be greater. John 3 verse 30. John's disciples were probably the most visible evidence of the success of his mission. And yielding them up should have been a sore trial. However, John gave evidence that he was not living for his own honor. As his disciples saw that Jesus was stealing the show, they wanted John to do something about it. John, however, kept his eyes on the prize. He had preached about the one to come, and now that it was time to take the back seat, so he did willingly said, John, he must increase, but I must decrease. Here's another sentence. Are you the one? The inactivity of uh, prison life wore John's faith thin. Every athlete knows the comfort that comes from just a few days. Without exercise, John's nature friend and a man of vigorous activity was without exercise for weeks and in a dungeon. Weighed down by perplexity, unable to see the future or the reason for his suffering, and tortured by the mind-bending whispers of demons, John was put to the ultimate test. Are you the coming one? John asked, or do we look for another? The fact that he could send this query to the very one whom he himself had proclaimed to be the Messiah speaks volumes about the pressure John was under. But even in this severe trial, John, on hearing Jesus' reply, steeled himself. He was ready to live or die for the cause he loved. His faithfulness Till the end stands as encouragement to all who will be martyrs for their faith. His self-sacrifice shines across the centuries, friends. Matchless Jesus. The most amazing thing uh, to me is about the life of John was expressed by Ellen White, of whom, that is of Jesus, all the excellence manifest in the earth's greatest and noblest souls were reflections, the purity and beneficence of Joseph, the faith and meekness and long-suffering of Moses, the steadfastness of Elijah, the noble integrity and firmness of Daniel, the ardor and self-sacrifice of Paul, the mental and spiritual power manifest in all these men and in all others who had ever dwelt on the earth were but gleams from the shining of his glory. In him was found the perfect ideal. If the bravest, the strongest and the best of the earth 
but faintly reflect his character, then who is Jesus? Do I really know him? Can I know him completely? These questions really stump me. But one thing is certain. Words simply cannot tell all there is about Jesus. Even three years of personal contact with our Lord left the disciples with much to learn. Jesus told them, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. John chapter 16 verse 12 Dear listener, no wonder how could they in three short years understand all they had seen him do and heard him say. I think it is the same with us. Prayer, study of his life and a lifetime of experience will take us closer to him. We will have peace because we breathe the atmosphere of heaven and many of life's irritations and perplexities will become smaller and easier to bear. But no matter how much we learn, there is still more, much more to know as scientists learn a little more about the sun when a total eclipse hides most of its light so we can learn a little more about the Son of Righteousness in the lives of the truly noble souls of this earth. Dear friend, tears come to my eyes as I imagine Martin Luther standing alone before the rulers of Germany, boldly declaring, My conscience is captive to the Word of God, but I am dumbstruck by the thought that the force of the character revealed there is nothing but one ray from the shining of Christ's glory. Well, may mortals fear to look up at him, but amazingly he urges us to. Indeed, the word promises that we who with unveiled face behold the Lord's glory are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Now that's something to live for. Behold the Lamb. There is no one else as compares to Jesus. May God bless you. Let's pray. Our loving Father, we thank Thee for letting us know Jesus and His love for humanity. We want to acknowledge Jesus as our only Savior and friend. Through learning of Thy Word, may we be drawn more closer to You. Strengthen us through Thy Holy Spirit to accept salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' holy name we ask. Amen. Dear Listener, what promises does the Bible contain and how can they affect us? Let's take a look at the text that is found in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 where it says, All honor to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it is by His boundless mercy that God has given us the privilege of being born again. Now we live with a wonderful expectation because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead.
stop us would or deed And we wonder why the test When we try to do our best But we'll understand it better by and by By and by When the morning comes All the saints of God are gathered home We will tell the story How we overcome We will understand it Thank you for listening today to this program. We so enjoyed studying together this important topic. We would love to hear from you. You may contact us with your questions or prayer requests by calling 000-800-040-1704. Again, the number to call is 000-800-040-1704. Zero four. This is your host Sharad, and I'm Maureen signing off from Adventist World Radio. Do join us again along with your family and friends. Until we meet again via radio, we wish you goodbye and God bless you. Understand it better by and by. by.